0: Hello, leaders, and welcome to Connections, the podcast. I'm Jennifer Iverson, and today we are wrapping up our Starry-Eyed theme for the year. To become Starry-Eyed, we focused on three things, wonder, hope, and kindness. I've asked three leaders to share their own Starry-Eyed stories. Life as a mom and a leader has a way of draining the wonder out of us, And Kelly Jordan has a beautiful story about how she rediscovered wonder this year. Kelly,
1: welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Share with us, how did you
1: choose wonder this year? The starry eyed theme kicked off for me when I was about a year into what became a really hard couple of years. I was in the midst of what I would categorize as years of loss and of change. And a lot of it was change I didn't like or want or ask for, but it came anyway. And so when I discovered the three sub themes that go along with Starry Eyed, I thought, well, I'm hopeful and I'm kind for the most part, but I'm not sure that I have a sense of wonder anymore. I found that I wasn't looking forward too much those days. So just as we were getting ready to start our Mops year, my sister had a family emergency in Alabama and I felt I needed to go be with her. So I decided to drive from Lee Summit, Missouri, to Fort Rucker, Alabama. And I made the choice to go at about four o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, and I left at nine o'clock that morning. So I didn't have much time to get it together. But it was a long drive and I was gonna be alone and But I knew I would stop a lot and I'd get out and walk around. And, you know, I had some Diet Dr. Pepper and some good 80s rock music. So I was good to go. (laughs) I love a good road trip. And so I decided that I would make this an adventure and see if I could rekindle a little sense of wonder somewhere along the way. So my first stop on my trip was at a cheese factory that is really not far from where I live. And I had driven by this place over and over for the last 20 years, but had never stopped. So I decided to stop and go in. And honestly, it was not hugely exciting, but it wasn't a bad start to the trip. Then I also stopped at uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder's home, the author that wrote The Little House on the Prairie books. I stopped at her house and I stopped at some roadside antique stores. And there was one estate auction. I stopped and had some peach ice cream at a place called The Peach Park. And I even found this rest area where someone had built a model of this huge Saturn 1B rocket. And it was just standing there in the middle of nowhere. So I stopped and took a look at it. And I also had a lot of opportunities to stop along the way um, and buy a goat. I was surprised at how many signs there were saying goats for sale. And I skipped those. I was not up for that kind of an adventure, honestly. So I skipped the goats. But my very favorite stop was this Watermelon Fest and Gospel Sing. I had seen these hand-painted signs for it for miles, and and when I came up to it, it was full of people and tents and watermelon, and so I stopped, and these nice people greeted me and gave me some watermelon and some water, and we sang, and we laughed, and I, I stayed for about an hour before I got back in the car. and and kept going. Basically, I'd stop at almost every time I saw something that piqued my interest, I would stop. Then when I was in Alabama, I saw the helicopters flying from Fort Rucker. That's where they train all of the army helicopter pilots. I saw a bull weevil statue in the middle of town. The the people there have the great affinity for this particular insect for some reason, and so they built a statue to it. I also learned a lot about my the in-law side of my sister's family. That's who I was down there with. It was a quick trip. I drove about 1,700 miles in four days, but it was absolutely worth it. But then when I got home, I walked back in to the same situations I'd left. Nothing had changed. I really, I didn't expect it to change while I was gone. But honestly, my, my father had passed away a few months before after a very short battle with cancer. My mom had been diagnosed with cancer four years before and was rapidly declining. Uh, she did pass away just a few months after that, and my son was still getting ready to graduate and move out of the house, which that senior year of high school is a lot of fun, and it is so exciting, but I was getting ready to be an empty nester, and I wasn't sure how I felt about all of that yet, so I was, I was still in the same spot I had been when I left, but I think that what I'd committed to somewhere along those 1,700 miles was to find... Ways to discover new fun or interesting things in what had become this really kind of mundane every day for me. So this is what I started doing. I I started driving to other subdivisions to go for a walk instead of walking the same circle I'd always done before. Or I would take the long way to the grocery store. And I'm really surprised at how many different ways you can get to my grocery store.
0: One place to another, sure. Right.
1: Right. I went and toured homes on our parade of homes tour and I went and rode the streetcar downtown. And the one that, the one thing I did that really surprised me by how much impact it had on my perspective was I sat in a different place every week at church. And it meant that I was sitting with other people and I was hearing other people sing and I was talking to other people instead of that same little group that I was always with before. So I think what I learned during the starry-eyed year, is that things like wonder don't always come to you. Or maybe it's just that you get caught up and you have trouble seeing it in that normal day-to-day stuff. But but what I found is that sometimes you have to make a point to go look for it. And I believe that that effort is completely worth it. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate your wisdom as a MOPS leader. And I just, I thank you for encouraging us to open our eyes to look for that wonder. You know, it seems like um, there's a lot of pain and hurt and loss in the world right now. And even in our day to day, like Kelly mentioned, sometimes the idea of hope seems completely out of our grasp. Jamie Eden is also with us today. She's been a co-coordinator and a discussion group leader, and she's here to share her story about how she became aware of hope. Jamie, welcome. Hi, thank you. Jamie, tell us, how did you find hope in this starry-eyed year?
2: I have loved this year and this theme for so many reasons. Um, The aspects of light and dark are what have resonated the most of me and seeing hope amid struggle and specifically around friendship. You know, when I envisioned what my life would look like as I got married and got older, being a pastor's wife was never on my radar. You know, so my husband and I got married in September of 2008. And in those eight and a half years, we've moved five times. Wow. And yeah. And three of those moves involved children. So <laughs> it's been, it's been a, a little crazy, but it's been a good crazy. These moves have taken place um, all within the same state in West Virginia where I live. But for me, it might as well have been moves across the country. The town that I that I was born and raised in was the ideal community in my mind. It was not too big, not too small. And I never felt like I wanted to leave or live anywhere else. It was was my safe place. I grew up an only child in a single-parent household. And that left me with a lot of feelings of rejection and loneliness uh, in my father's absence. So I have always valued friendships tremendously. I am an all-in kind of person. So when I connect with a friend, I don't hold back. You know, and moving makes that hard because it puts a physical distance between friends, but it also puts an emotional one. Um, sure, that's a
0: lot guys. of hellos and goodbyes.
2: <laughs> right. So you go into it with every intention to stay in touch with a friend when they move, or when you're the one that's moving, but it can still be difficult to to maintain that relationship. And this last year was was the hardest one. During this last relocation, before our most recent move, two years ago, I had developed friendships with three ladies in particular who became very dear to me. And they were strong women of faith who were great mentors and encouragers. But to give you a little perspective, my husband and I were really struggling in this area where we lived. And moving was not only necessary, but it was needed for both of us so it was it was a tough it was a tough period, but I was struggling because I knew that these friendships were going to be different from now on, and they were ones that had just really enriched and fulfilled me and it's hard to think of not being near the people who um, are part of your tribe, but what God has shown me and you know revealed through hope is that. If we'd never moved, these ladies wouldn't have been a part of my tribe to begin with.
0: Sure. Um, Knowing that at your new location, then there's
2: always the possibility of friendships there as well. Yeah. And that has been just the biggest part for me. Learning this year about hope is not dwelling on the loss even though those are hard and you know it does change but also also seeing the light of the additions that come that come with that you know seeing both aspects of life and both aspects of moving there's still lessons to be learned and when things are good and when things aren't going good there's still there's still light begging to be seen so God's really placed on my heart what a joy the experience of living in these different areas has been and, you know, how blessed I have been with so many wonderful people that I would have never known had we not lived in all these different places.
0: And given you the opportunity then to choose hope over fear when you're headed into something new because you've seen the joy in the difficult times that you've already experienced.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely.
0: Thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate your story, and I appreciate you sharing how you've seen hope this year. So we've talked about wonder, and we've talked about hope. Melody Lee, a MOPs mentor, is also with us now to talk about kindness. Welcome, Melody.
3: Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me.
0: You know, Mel, we tell our kids to be kind, and uh, sometimes it seems like 10 times a day. But we as mothers and leaders can sometimes have difficulty seeing that kindness. Can you share with us how you've seen kindness this year? I,
3: like Kelly mentioned earlier, have always considered myself to be someone who's relatively kind. I've always thought that um, about myself and always been one to maybe uh, initiate kindness. But this year, I had a couple of times where I received kindness in ways that I wasn't really expecting. I was scheduled to have surgery, actually, the early part of last year. And I went in, I was ready to have surgery, got there the surgery day and my blood pressure was too high and they weren't able to do the surgery that day. I was extremely disappointed to say the least. I had been struggling, you know, with knee pain for for quite a while and I felt in some way like I had failed that I wasn't able to have it done. But that particular day kindness was shown to me in in some very special ways. What I, when I think about kindness, what it looks like for me is that people show up in your life. I had that happen right after that surgery. But then a few months later, I actually did get to have the surgery done on my knee. And I saw again what kindness looked like was people showing up for me. They showed up for, um, prayer, pastor for my church came and met us at the hospital and, and prayed over me, uh, knowing that I was anxious about you know the same thing happening again and not being able to have the surgery. He showed up and he prayed over me. After the surgery, when we went home, there was a meal for us that was made by one of our MOPS leaders. A couple days later, there were flowers that showed up with just a note of encouragement. A little friend of mine, Bella, down the street, and I was thinking about this in terms of how we can help our kids initiate kindness. Even children can understand when someone is hurt or has experienced pain in some way. Uh, Sweet Bella came over to visit me and she had drawn me a picture, colored me a picture and said, I love you, Auntie Mel, across the top. And it just meant so much to me that Her mom encouraged that piece of kindness in her, even at at four years old, she understood how important that was for me to receive that. There's some other things that I experienced as well, you know, other MOPS mentors from my group that were willing to come and pick me up and take me to physical therapy or take me to, you know, run a couple of errands because I wasn't able to drive yet. And so when I think about kindness and what that has looked like for me this year, It really has looked like people showing up. And I think that that is a very important thing for us to remember as as women, as leaders, that some of the kindest things that we can do or are the biggest investments is showing up in people's lives. I was loved so well during that time. Uh, We were also in the midst of that getting ready to move to California. So there were other people who showed up to help us pack, to help us clean our house after the moving trucks had come. And um, so many things that I was limited and not able to do because of my knee surgery recovery, because of course we moved six weeks after my surgery. So it wasn't great timing as far as that goes. But what I saw was that people were willing to love well by showing up and being present to meet physical needs, to meet emotional needs when I was hurting, to meet spiritual needs and just be there to pray. That was something that was a little bit different for me since I tend to be the one who shows kindness. I I love people and loving on people. So it was very humbling to be able to receive that kindness from someone else, but also such a great learning time to, again, just revisit and, and refocus on the value of loving well and showing up for people in the smallest of ways.
0: I love that. I love that you touched too on receiving kindness, because I think sometimes we're really good at maybe giving kindness, but we as moms and leaders struggle to recognize that we have needs and need to be able to receive that kindness. Giving other people the opportunity to be kind is important too.
3: And I remember a mentor telling me when I was a young mom, I had a really hard time receiving compliments, things, whatever it was from other people. And she told me once, she said, you need to learn how to do that because when you don't, you rob the person giving of the blessing of being able to give. And there was Um, something that just resonated with me in that is that I never wanted to rob someone else of the joy of showing love or kindness to me. And so I've I've learned over the years to try to receive those things with grace and know that they get just as much joy and blessing out of sharing the kindness as I do in receiving the kindness.
0: I love too that they didn't have to be grand and huge things. And I think sometimes we think we don't make a difference unless we're doing something big and so that even those small acts of kindness, like Sweet Bella bringing you a colored picture, mean so much. That's just a, a really good reminder that even the small acts of kindness can have such a profound effect on others. Thank you, Mel. And thank you, ladies. This starry idea is a chance for us to breathe in wonder and to give out kindness and to know that every breath we take holds the opportunity for hope. So, leaders, I want to thank you for joining us on this starry-eyed year, and we encourage you to celebrate your own year of wonder, hope, and kindness, invite some of the moms in your group to share their own stories, and then share them with us, either on our Mops Leaders Facebook page or in our leader community on our website at leaders.mops.org. Thank you for joining us for Connections,
1: the podcast.